It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. So today, the podcast is going to be broken up into two parts, uh, which we will release separately. We This first part will feature Dory Kelly, who is the director of North Shore Enduring Hope, which is a fantastic nonprofit organization that works kind of filling in some of the gaps in the foster care system in Louisiana. Oftentimes, when a kid is getting put into foster care it's it's on a moment's notice and they won't have food or clothing if if people don't step up so her organization really helps a lot with caring for these kids and we're going to be doing a benefit for north shore enduring hope on october 18th which she will talk about and you can check it out on northshorevineyard.org or on our facebook page but for now let's go hear dory kelly thanks for listening said there's a child somewhere. Well, on the way here, I got a call for a newborn at Lakeview Hospital in the NICU, exposed to drugs. That is seasoned today, so if y'all can think about that newborn little girl, um, pray that she makes it. Her mama was a crack addict. Pray she makes it and that they have a home for tomorrow. We're looking for a bassinet. That's what they call me for. They call me for the resources that they need for these children. They call for placements, too. We took in an 11-month-old last week, but um, they call for resources. They call every day, all day. Sunday's not a day off. So um, if you think about this little baby girl, during the course of the day, say a prayer for her. Say that she, pray that she can make it. She'll be, um, they'll have to put her on morphine to get her through the day. Um, so just say a prayer for her. So it's a rough 24 to 48 hours for her. Sorry. Okay. Um, my name is Dory Kelly. I'm married to Robert Kelly. He was going to be here this morning, but our other four kids are at home. We didn't have a babysitter on a Sunday morning, so he's home with them. Thank you for allowing me to come and share with you about something I'm very, very passionate about. It's foster care, it's children in need, and it's children right here in our own community. I'll quickly recap and share um, some information about North Shore and Hope, why we exist, and how we exist. Um, And then I'll get to some exciting news that um, I want to share with y'all since the last time that we were here. Some great things have been happening. Um, Robbie and I have been fostering for about 10 years now. We've um, fostered over 15, 16 kids now. We've adopted three. And our last placement was a little sweet little 11-month-old girl that we had last week. Um, She transitioned out to an aunt that will be taking care of her um, and probably get guardianship over her. So it's a good good place for her to be. Um, We have two sons, two biological sons, and three adoptive daughters, daughters aged 20 to 5 years old. So I have a kindergartner and I have a junior in college. So it's fun. It's a fun It's a fun life we live right now. Um, Quickly, after we got certified, you know, we realized three very important things. Um, The system is broken. We all know that. Um, The need for good quality homes is enormous. And the need for resources for these homes is even a bigger need, daily resources. Yes, the state does provide, but it's very minimal. Basically, the people who step up to foster are volunteers who get reimbursed for some of their expenses. And when I say some, I say, like, maybe... 5% of your expenses you get reimbursed. So when people say they do it for money, really need to look at that again. About five years ago, we started the first and only support group um, in Louisiana at the time for foster parents just to be able 
sorry, to connect, um, you know, and to speak and just come together. There, there are a lot of unique things just to fostering that I just couldn't call up Melissa and say, hey, you know, because she wouldn't even know what I was talking about if it was a FTM, a family team meeting, or, a, you know, TA, a termination of parental rights. Like, there are so many things that normal um, people who aren't fostering just don't really understand. And then all of the... Um, all the information regarding these cases is confidential, juvenile matters. So you really can't even speak with anyone else about it other than other foster parents because then you could lose your certification to continue fostering. So we started a support group just for that, and that continues to meet every month. Um, we do do resources, like I said, about four years ago. We um, officially became a 501c3 charitable contribution um, organization so that we could go larger for the resources and um, get more of the community involved, more stores and retail people involved. Um, because our, our region here is called the Covington Region. DCSF, which is Department of Family and Child Services, Fam Department of Children and Family Services, is broke up into nine regions in the state. We're the Covington Region, which makes up all the five surrounding parishes, St. Helena, St. Tammany, Washington, Tangy, and Livingston. The Covington Region is not geographically the largest area. Um, but we are the highest in children in custody in the state of Louisiana for more than five years straight. Month after month, we are continually the highest. In state. And when I say the highest, just this month, we have 790. This came out two days ago. We have 790 children in custody. The other region that is closest to us has 430. So we're almost doubled any other region. That's pretty... It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. The reason, and people ask why, 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 why? We have a very diverse region, but we also have a very wealthy region, and we also have a very drug-ridden problem in our region. Most of the children, 90%, I would venture to say, come into custody because of neglect, not because of abuse. Now, you do have your abuse cases, but most of them come in because of neglect, um, so when a mom or a dad, whomever, has custody of these children and they're addicted to drugs, rarely do they think about their child who may be hungry. So neglecting the child usually looks hungry, inadequate shelter, inadequate clothing, basic needs aren't being met. A lot of teachers during the school year will catch these or pediatricians will catch these. But a lot of them are overlooked. I, I venture to say our numbers could be much higher if we really knew where all these children were. As I said before, fostering is very hard. Not everybody can do it. Not everybody is called to do it. But everybody can do something. Everybody can do something for a child in need in our area, in our own backyard. So up to this point, we have been operating out of storage units, out of my home, out of the side carport, out of the homes of my neighbors, out of whoever would go and pick up the resources and then would get it to the families or get it to the children who needed it. And it's been working fine except the need is so great and storage units aren't cheap, we have the most exciting news ever is that we recently, this month, opened up a resource center, an 1,100-square-foot resource center on Highway 59. So we now have our own, I know, I know, I can jump up and down because it's very, very exciting. Um, it's a place where people can make donations, drop off their things, but also like this lady who needs a bassinet, I can meet her tomorrow morning when I drop off my kids' school. She's going to be at the resource center, and hopefully we'll have a bassinet by tomorrow morning for her. So it's just a great 
location for that. But then also for these children who need things from age newborn to 17, they can come and they can kind of get what they want because operating out of a storage unit is fine. It, may, it meets their needs. But just kind of imagine like if your child needed something and we went to a storage unit and we were just kind of digging through stuff, you know? So we made the storage unit beautiful. We made it look like a boutique so that when a girl or a young man comes in, like a young man came in the other day, he's 16 years old, and he was like, I can have anything. He's like, you can pick out anything you want. And we have it all nice from sizes, shoes laid out, toiletries. It is absolutely beautiful. Some of the ladies came in and made it absolutely gorgeous just so that these children can feel loved and warmed and appreciated and valued because they are. They're our children, really. They're in our own community. They're not just over there children. These children are in school with our children and our grandchildren. They're here. So we wanted to make that, um, make that possible for them. So it's... Um, it is evolving because as much stuff of that is there now, in two weeks we'll be gone and there'll be more stuff coming in. So it's, um, it's a lot of work, but it's really, really good. It's just a centralized storefront where precious children come and pick up the resources that they need. Clothes, toiletries, snacks for the snack shack, shoes, baby items, school supplies, diapers, wipes, bedding, bassinets, just anything that they really need, anything that you can imagine that you would need for your child, we have there. And then we also use it for our meeting area because the Crisis Pregnancy Center had opened up their doors to let us use their boardroom so our foster parents could meet, and they just gave me a key and said, use the facility whenever you wanted, and which was they were just so gracious for, to let us use it. Um, so for two years, we've been meeting there. So now we have our own meeting location, which is just fabulous. And I can't tell you how excited I am about it. Um, it is the only center in this area that supplies daily resource to children, and it's imperative that we keep the doors open to the resource center. So my question to you is today, can you help us? Can you help us keep this resource center open? And this is one way that you can help us. North Shore Vineyard Church stepped up to do an event fundraiser for us on October 18th. We're selling tickets. Just with the sales of the tickets alone, we'll be able to pay for the resource center for three or four months, just from the ticket sales. Not from any of the donations that come in or from the silent auctions. We have amazing silent auction items that people have just really stepped up. I, I can't believe how just a few ladies have done this in just a short time. I mean, it is unbelievable. But we need to sell the tickets, and then we need people to come and have a good time. It's going to be food. We're going to have bands. We're going to have silent auction. It's two hours long on a Saturday night. And it's going to be fr I'm sorry, Friday night. Friday night. Um, two hours long on a Friday night, um, but it's for a really, really good cause. So I ask you, we're selling tickets after service today, and I think we only have about 30 or 40 left. It's not that many, um, but we do need to sell them all so that we can do that. Um, and then how else can you, um, can you help? Um, there are practical ways you can help, diapers and wipes. At Christmas time, we collect dolls and balls, um, balls for the boys, dolls for the girls, um, black, white, any color doll, and any color ball, basketball, football, soccer, anything like that. So if you belong to um, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, Women's Club, your office, anybody that wants to do something at Christmas time, you can mention that. Um, they can contact me. My number is on anything. Anybody can call me. Um, but that's really easy, dolls and balls at Christmas. And it's not really expensive. Everybody can buy an extra doll or an extra ball at Christmas to do that. Um, and then toiletries, baby items, things like that. We collect all of that year-round school supplies year-round because children get moved in and out of schools and they need a new list and they need new uniforms for that school so um that's really big as much as we try to keep them in the same school district sometimes it's really hard if you live in a beat and you have to go all the way to livingston that's a six-hour drive a day 
hour and a half back, hour and a half there, hour and a half back, hour and a half there, hour and a half back. There's no bus that'll bring them there. So when we had our 15-year-old boy last May, I was in the car six hours a day because I didn't want to transfer, transfer school last month of school. Then how tragic is that? He just lost everything. So, um, so sometimes you do what you got to do. But if it's earlier in the school year, they do get transferred. And so school supplies we need all year long. So thank you very much. Buy a ticket. I need all the tickets sold. Um, buy one for you. Get a friend to buy one and come. Have an enjoyable night out. Yes. Yes, and I also have some newsletters that I didn't have last time. A publisher actually contacted me um, and asked me to write a book. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I can write a book. Um, he said, well, then why don't we do a newsletter? And I said, okay, I can do a newsletter. So one day he sat down with me and we did a newsletter. And he's like, you have so much information. You have enough to do newsletters for an entire year, which I, I'm not a writer, so I didn't know that. But anyway, so we got our first new newsletter. He, um, he did the whole thing, purchased the program for it wrote it for me. I just had to tell him the story. And so anyway, so we have our first newsletter. It has all the contact information on it. Thank you. Yes. Oh, snacks. Yes. So um, I did mention snacks. It's a place to drop, drop off snacks. We have a snack shack in each of the five offices that we have in Covington, um, Tangy, Washington Parish, and Livingston. It's just a cabinet with a lock, um, but we provide snacks for the children because I got to it's really emotional to tell that story. Um, my 12-year-old daughter came out of foster care, and when she was seven, her and her six siblings were brought into foster care. Now, placing a sibling group of six is nearly impossible, so they're going to be separated. I'll just tell you that right now. So after about four years of her being with us and we adopted her, um, she just was talking to me one day, and she opened up, and she said, um, I had asked her a question because she was going to give a speech about her life. And so I wanted to make sure she was ready because kids can be cruel sometimes. So I was kind of asking her some of the harder questions that maybe some kids would ask. And so I said, well, Macy, what was your hardest day in foster care? She thought, and she broke down crying. And I was like, what was it, Mace? Tell me. Tell me. Just tell me what it is. doesn't matter. Was it coming here? You know, what, just what was it? And she told me, she said, it was sitting at the office the day we were taken in. And I said, why? Why was, you know, because you're losing your mom. You, wouldn't, you know, you weren't going to see her. Were you scared? You know, were you afraid for your sisters? Because she had four younger than her, and so she was kind of like a mama to those four. Still is, because um, we keep in contact. Um, she said, no, no, it wasn't that. And I said, what was it, baby? And she said, I was hungry. Because they sat there for about eight hours trying to get placement for six kids, and they were hungry. Now, the caseworker, who's on a very low-income state budget, We'll go through a McDonald's or Chick-fil-A and get them something when they come into custody. If you're sitting there eight hours and you're hungry and you're scared and you don't know what's happening to you, I promise you that's going to be the worst day of your life. And that's what Macy told me. She said it was because she was hungry. So when she told me that, I said, Mace, we're going to do something about it. There's never going to be a kid sitting there anymore, anymore on my watch that's going to be hungry sitting in an office. So we created the snack shack. So that's what the snack shack is for. It's for children. When they come into custody, they go to the snack shack. They can take one or they can take ten snacks. I don't care. It's unlimited. When they run out of snacks, they call me. We replenish it. So it's like cereal bowls, macaroni bowls, oatmeal bowls. Anything you put in the microwave and warm, little um, ravioli bowls, anything that can go in the microwave and be warmed individually, or any individually wrapped snack, granola bars, chips, anything, anything that's individually wrapped because they can't keep it open. So that's the snack shack. That's where the snack shack came from, and that's where it was birthed. It was birthed because my little girl was hungry for eight hours while she sat there when she came into custody. Thank you. Thank you.